Welcome everybody to the Tiny Desk Contest Top Shelf. I'm Bob Boylan. So the Tiny Desk Contest is a search to find the next great undiscovered artist to play a Tiny Desk concert. Those are concerts at my desk at NPR. Thousands of artists from around the country have submitted their videos. And before we announce this year's winner, we're running this Top Shelf series where each week a contest judge will share their favorite entries. And we'll even interview one of the entries here live later in the show. Um, and today, our Tiny Desk Contest judge uh, is a Tiny Desk alum, <laughs> Phoebe Bridgers. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me again. You bet. So the one thing that's unique about, uh, well, there are many things unique about you, but, but in terms of Tiny Desk world, is that uh, you have played um, three Tiny Desk concerts in Four. the NPR office. Four well, yeah, Tiny and, Desks. And, <laughs> and, and one at the White House. Well, sort of the White House. So, so yes, your home concert. Yes. Your, her home is the White House, if people didn't know that. But anyway, watch her home concert. You'll see what I mean. But you've played three Tiny Desk concerts in at NPR. And for people who come and for the winner who might come or others, tell them uh, what it was like the first time you did this. Um, <laughs> I, guess I won't get too graphic, but I definitely was like, very, very nervous. <laughs> um, I hadn't really done any like late night performances or anything. So like when I did my very first one, it was, yeah, no, t no TV stuff yet. And so I was nervous, but I was like, this is probably just cause it's my first real thing and it's live. But then when I went on to do TV, I was like, no, there's something very nerve wracking about tiny desk specifically. And it's because you walk in and everybody's working for one, like people are like, Oh, hi. But, but you know, people are working at their laptops and then there are a bunch of people watching you and you can see everybody's face in perfect detail. It's the middle of the day. There's no like flashing light to kind of distract you or make it feel like a show. It just feels like you're staring into somebody's eyes and like, you know, in my case, like bearing your soul. Um, and I think that goes for a lot of people that you guys choose to have on tiny desk. Um, it's like these very personal songs at like 2 p.m. on an office day. <laughs> My favorite part of going to the NPR office is the, like the women's bathroom has a, um, has a bunch of uh, post-it notes everywhere. And uh, I can still see my post-it note from the first time I played Tiny Desk. Uh, <laughs> could you, could I can't you say even what it remember says? what I wrote, but oh, okay. I, I think I was, I was just like, I'm nervous. It's <laughs> still there in my handwriting, uh, which is cool. And the other thing is that we don't amplify your voice in the room. You're just singing your voice. It's not going through, you know, effects and layers and stuff. It's that's the other thing about the concert, which is what I personally love and adore as the as an audience member to just hear your favorite singer singing in a room unamplified. It's pretty funny when I listen back to my first one, um, and I remember when when we got mixes back because yeah, you you know they want to make sure that everything is the right volume and stuff, but you don't have that much control over the mix. Uh, it's just like, that's what you played. Uh, and when I heard the mixes back, my first note of the first song is me going, <laughs> so nervous. <laughs> I could barely get anything out. That's happened to me a couple of times where the very first note that I hit when I'm really, really nervous is like all over the place. And you came uh, back with, with Connor Oberst as the better oblivion community center. Did that, was it any easier second time? It's easier with a band. I think that was the third time because I did Boy Genius before that. And there's oh, something that, yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, there's something nice about having people to kind of bounce those nerves off of, you know, but still very nerve wracking. So um, advice for whoever wins this contest, do you have advice for them when they walk in the office? Well, I think what's ironic about this contest is all the winners so far, it's like they are so conducive to that setting that it's like a breeze. It's a all breeze the answers, for, yeah. for the people who win the contest because you're winning the contest based on your ability to perform in that, in, in that type of environment. Whereas for just like musicians who are on tour all the time or like have played a lot live or, you know, for me, I, I pride myself on recording. I'm not, I don't exactly like shine on stage. I can barely move around without messing up. So it's nerve wracking for me as like, as someone who doesn't typically like put my performance first as a selling point, all these videos, like all these people are just incredible performers. So, so I feel like me giving advice would be counterproductive. (laughs) (laughs) So take us to our first one. This is a song uh, called Taylor made. It's by Rascal Miles. Yeah. Rascal is from Portland, Oregon. I uh, was immediately affected by this one. I, I just love the way that it's, it is like a very intimate performance. And, uh, Rascal says, I'm a trans non-binary man from a small conservative town in the South, and it took 30 years of stumbling alone in the dark to learn how to love myself for who I am, and I want to share my story so other kids like me can have more representation in music. I wrote, recorded, and produced the album Taylor Made during the pandemic lockdown, which mm-hmm. I really, really commend you for because I couldn't make anything during lockdown. Um, and then this song is about my experience having gender-affirming top surgery, which is just it's also very folky, which I love. I just love when people kind of flip the script on folk music. So, Let's listen to Taylor Made by Rascal Miles. Butterfly sprawled out on a web 
Synthetic cocoon Puppeteer, count me down Suspend me between sleep and death A marionette underwater There's no going back now tailor-made by rascal miles um phoebe i don't know about you but uh like we watched a lot of these videos <laughs> and and what i do is i try not to look at all into the history of the artist or or their story or and, and when they people enter they often will write about this song and what they do uh, and what the song is about i try to do none of that i try to let the, the just the the artists and their song their creation uh, just hit me and convey the story. Do you do the same or do you have a different approach to watching these? Yeah, I didn't read anybody's write-up before watching. Um, and then if I was affected by something, I loved kind of doing my research. And, and that's how I feel as a music fan in general, I think. Where it's like, I love being surprised by what a song is about, you know? Like I love kind of like letting my brain decide why something yeah. is affecting me it only improves the story to me when i learn that i'm wrong you know <laughs> uh, so that's one of my favorite pieces of being a music fan and also one of the beautiful things about that is that the artists can tell you all they want about what the song's about at least for me it stays within me what i thought it was it's nice to know and i and i 
as we have talked before, I like to find out about the stories behind songs, but I also find totally. that whatever hit me first is often still what I think the song's about and what it means to me. So, um, totally. so let's go to our next video. This is a song called Coup de Gras by Florid, and for those who don't speak French like me, <laughs> Coup de Gras uh, means stroke of death. Yeah, I failed out of French, so I trust that it could mean anything, and I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to correct it, but. Okay, so Florid Evan Stapleton is from New Rochelle, New York, and it's his third year entering the contest, which is cool. I feel like you guys get that a lot, which is so cool yeah. that people it's look a ritual forward to for, creating for something new. Yeah. So awesome. Uh, and then Evan says, I wrote this after killing a firefly and feeling strangely broken by it. A real how did I get here moment. Innocence and hope are also symbolically addressed. I killed a moth on a camping trip when I was a little kid, and I it's my intrusive thought. I think about it all the time. Oh, my God. Have you so, written yet? Have, where is, where's the song? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like it's made, it, it's made its way into so many songs. But I totally understand that. It's like when people die or maybe even when pets die, it's kind of this um, – it's such a complex feeling that has like a very black and white way that you're supposed to feel about it. Or a lot of the time it's like everybody knows why you're grieving – but when you're grieving over something small and like insignificant, quote unquote, it's harder to even articulate why it's affecting you so deeply. And you feel like it's invalidating how small it is, but also it's making you feel big ways about about grief in general. I don't know. That's totally conjecture, but at least that's how I can relate to it. Well, let's give a listen to uh, Coup de Gras by Florid. Thank you. 
That's Florid. Uh, the uh, the song's called Coup de Gras, which is about killing a, a lightning bug. I, he sent a note that said, Phoebe sent this note that said, when I sent the video to my group chat, uh, my group chat friends, uh, they absolutely destroyed me for writing an objectively dramatic song uh, over a bug. Hilarious and deserved, mercilessly flaming, will never live it down, says Florid. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, indeed. I feel like nobody should be bullied for what they write songs about because there are so many songs about ridiculous things. I also, like, don't you ever think, like, beautiful love songs are written about people who are probably horrible? You know? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, if you get a song out of it, then it's all worth it, you know? Well, we're looking forward to that moth song that's coming out, what, December? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Let's take a break. You're listening to Tiny Desk Contest's Top Shelf I'm Bob Boylan. This message comes from our 2021 lead sponsor of NPR Music, State Farm. To celebrate their surprisingly great rates, State Farm invites you to discover the surprisingly great genre, Boston hip-hop. It's not just your everyday hip-hop with a thick Boston accent. Boston hip-hop is known for its gritty beat, DIY stages, and underground music scene. It actually got its start at Harvard and MIT's radio stations. This beat's got brains and beauty. Make sure to check out Boston Hip Hop, then check out State Farm's surprisingly great rates. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From NPR Music, it's the Tiny Desk Contest Top Shelf, and my guest is Phoebe Bridgers, and we're picking her favorite Tiny Desk Contest entries for 2021. So let's go to our next video. It's by the artist known as Nephi. What did you love about this? This is one of my favorite videos. I just think, well, with both of these artists, Last and actually all of them, it's like 
there's something about distilling your songwriting to a guitar in your voice. Like if you can be effective in that environment, then it doesn't matter how something is produced. It's like, I kind of think that's kind of my measurement for good writing is, can I hear it? If, if you play it in front of me, can I hear what is so beautiful about it? And just like from the first minute of this writing, I was like, this is hitting really heavy. And I also just love Nephi's voice. So, so we're going to play this video, but then uh, Nephi's going to uh, join us for a bit of conversation. So let's go to Nephi and the song called Wait Up. Deep in the pocket of your coat There's a letter there that I wrote We both know that this cannot work Not when the river's calling Oh, the river's calling Don't have a fancy job or fame But I hear the river knows my that is all I could ask To be held in the valley's grasp uh -huh. Wait up Is there one last chance to dance in the river Dance in the river I'm stuck in the sea song wait up it's by nephi and nephi come join us <laughs> hi hello <laughs> 
Amazing. Amazing song. So good. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very happy and grateful to be here. Yeah. I've I've seen that video a couple times now and I think what I love about it so much is just like I don't know. Like I can hear it being played in kind of any environment, like I said earlier, about production and stuff. Like I don't I hope when you record it or have you already? I have recorded already, yeah. Cool. Is it super sparse? Um, it's kind of the same as what my uh, my submission video is. It's in the cool. same format. So it's it's just my voice, my layering, and then my guitar strings. That's awesome. Do you record at home as well? I do record at home, yes. I have been sort of pushed and I guess like productively forced into learning how to produce my own music due to the current global situation. So it's been a really great challenge over the last year and a half to really push myself. Um, and as a result, this song came from me having to just work with what I have. Totally. I had to get down and dirty a bit. <laughs> I, th- I think some of the things about artists, the best thing about artists is that Give them just a, a little bit, and this is sort of the whole thing behind Tiny Desk. Restrict an artist, and you get so much more. And and you've proved that from the restrictions you've had over the past few years, right? It's been interesting to just watch myself have to, yeah, perform and produce work in these constraints. But it's not really constraints, you know? So I think everything is about perception when it comes down to it. <laughs> I feel like every time I try to write about, like, <laughs> being stuck inside I had a problem with like I, I feel like what I bring to the table with my songwriting is a unique perspective and because the perspective was like so not unique for all of us like how did you navigate that as a writer and write about the constraints of the world without feeling like you're being derivative I think there was this sort of pressure for musicians and artists and creatives in general to produce work and the circumstances staring everyone in the face at the time it was that we were all tied and chained to our homes but you can I just you can't really think about that you have to write and create the songs that you need to hear you can't really think about anything else and for me in that moment it was me just generally feeling like I need to be by some rivers, I need to be by some trees, I need to be by the home and the environment that pretty much rooted me and shaped me as a young woman. And that was what I needed to write about. Um, I wasn't really necessarily concerned about what everyone else was necessarily writing about. I think it just really came down to what I needed. And then this is just me releasing it would just be the platform for the music to be listen to but besides that it just really came down to writing what I needed to write for my soul totally that's very commendable I think I get way too in my head about whether I complain too much I feel like my songs are way more complaining also like you you wrote a beautiful song about about like yeah going home and you know I read that like over COVID one of the top selling paint colors was green and it never had been before because (laughs) because people wanted just a little bit of outside energy. Um, Interesting. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> and and, and Nephi, you went from living in in Brooklyn back to the, the essence of the song is is right. It's about going back home to where you were, where there's uh, well, family, childhood, and, and trees and nature and stuff, right? 
Yeah, essentially that's what it boils down to. Um, I spent a majority of um, my time in the last four or five years um, in New York City and um, just going to college there. Um, it was the formative years of my life. I can't help but think when I reflect on that time frame that I feel like while that learning experience was very pivotal and pertinent to my growth, I genuinely felt like I was missing something. And that was just being by nature, mother nature herself. <laughs> I didn't realize how much of an impact it had on me. I really didn't. I really, really did not. So it's been really great to come home and come home to myself. And it's just an all around, just like full circle moment. And the other thing that you and Phoebe, I'm assuming, are missing is being in an environment that's the opposite of nature, which are these clubs, these dark places where there's no green. What's that been like uh, for you, Nephi? And if you want to jump in on that, Phoebe, because these are things that both of you do and perform. And I mean, sure. I don't know about you, but I think I miss like being sweated on by a bunch of strangers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I miss... I miss just going to crusty concerts also, like let alone performing for people. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, we were talking earlier about, I went to hundreds of shows a year. It's built in. So even when I wasn't on tour, just somebody's playing in LA every night. So to have such a core part of my personality taken away has been super wild. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know about you, but also when I play songs, my writing is informed by how people react when I play stuff. Like, my first album was pretty dreary the whole time. I'd literally get sleepy on stage. So when I made a second <laughs> album, I was like, I should play stuff that's fun to play a little bit. Um, and it's still pretty dreary, but but do you feel like that? Well, on the same, like a similar note as you, playing live shows is a huge, huge part of uh, my profession. And I really miss people like kissing in the corner. I one time got beer spilled on me, like on my shoes while I was like writing a song about like this really terrible friend, ex-friend of mine. And I was pouring my heart out, but someone literally spilled uh, Bud Light on me. And <laughs> um, it was, I mean, yes, it's kind of funny to look back, but those are the tiny experiences that make up a much grander experience for me as a performance artist and musician and looking at someone's expression or hearing someone laugh in the corner while I'm playing or I've watched like couples like make out <laughs> and it is nice to watch that because those nuances are sort of confirmation that maybe I'm doing something good and that people are having a good time and listening to music that potentially moves them. And that's something that I definitely miss a hundred percent, Phoebe. So we're on the same page on that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that song you mentioned the one where you talk about how you have a job for real? That I uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that oh lyric gosh. so much. I didn't know you <laughs> so listened good. to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, no, it's a song I wrote called hanging on too long. And it oh, recently cool. won a um, like a, a lyrical award, and honestly, that was the song that it's my, that it's about. <laughs> but so yeah, cool. it's a very like acousticy, like sort of sad song. That's all I know how to put it. And I someone spilled beer in the middle of like the second verse where I was about to cry. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, platonic breakups, I feel like, are the most are the biggest betrayal. It's kind of like. 
oh, yeah, I could write about that forever. It's so much less black and white than a breakup breakup. Like, it's just so much more nuanced, and you have to have, like, a real reason why you don't talk to somebody anymore. It's like, yeah. oh, hate it. Like, yeah. with breakups, you're just like, we're broken up, so we're not in each other's lives. And with friendship, you have to be like, this and this and this and this, you know? Yeah, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned that, because I've actually never been in a romantic relationship. I've never had a boyfriend. So all of my songs have been grounded and rooted in um, the heartbreak that is that is is from friends. So, yeah, no one really talks about that. I feel like it is very different. It's not black and white. There's, like, a gray area there. And that person is no longer in your life anymore. So, and that is, it's, it's heartbreaking, but they do make really great subjects for songwriting. <laughs> the best songs, the best songs ever. <laughs> Nephi, how do people find your music and uh, if they wanted to listen to some of this? Of course, you can purchase some of my music on Bandcamp. Um, my most recent EP is all there, and um, you can follow me on Instagram at ByNeffy. I post some of my music there as well for now. So, yes, thank you so much for having me and interviewing me for this amazing opportunity. Thanks for the thrill of your entry, <laughs> honestly. Thank you. Lots of thank love. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. So good to meet you. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. That was awesome. Uh, just a quick reminder that this contest, uh, for anyone tuning in, will announce the winner after we do a number of more of these wonderful uh, Top Shelf episodes. We have uh, six more to do. You'll learn about all these artists that you didn't know. It's such a, a wonderful and thrilling contest. And people like Nephi and other artists who do it year after year, it's great to see the development. Last week, we played a artist, Selena Moon, who's been doing it year after year, and it's wonderful to see how these great unknowns develop. And if you want to go down the rabbit hole, which you should, I mean, what else are you doing? Uh, go to tinydeskcontest.org, and you can watch all the entries from 2021. It is so much fun to do. Make some popcorn <laughs> and watch it, right, Phoebe? Yes, we did that. We, a bunch of friends and I made a bunch of popcorn and watched videos all night. It was so fun. So let's go next to Sabrina's song. Her song is called Thaw. You want to tell us about Sabrina's song? Yeah, so I love this one. The desk here is uh, Sabrina's childhood desk. And she says, I wrote Thaw in one sitting in January of 2021. A lot of things in my life were changing at the same time, and I was having a difficult time tolerating the isolation, grief, self-doubt, and passing of time. I realized that I don't need to create a rigid distinction between being well and unwell, love that, and that treating myself with compassion will always be a fragile and gradual process. Yes. Wow. Let's go to Sabrina's song and her, song, her music called Thaw. I don't want to talk about it. But the quiet might be worse And every little thing has meaning When you're already hurt Clouds looking threatening Days feeling long Is everyone listening? To a different song All of those people What have I got Bring me to earth 
Sabrina's song, the song's called Thaw. I love everything about that, or her voice, for sure, right? I'm sure that's what attracted you, I'm going to guess, right? Yeah, I also, I also really, really love the shaker guy. Oh, yeah, right. Like, Sitting, standing on the far end of the couch there, yes. Totally, like it's all so orchestrated in such a sweet way. In my head, they're all roommates. I feel like I made my a whole like lore of that. Like I just love the idea of them practicing together but um but yeah obviously it's like a gorgeous performance do you like still or did you ever uh, get together with friends in your living room and just make music do you maybe well did you ever and and totally well that was how we wrote the boy genius songs so that was like a really fun that was literally just in a living room like making stuff up and and I do that all the time casually with Boy Genius it was like a whole day of working out songs but it's still my favorite way to make music I think I have like a little amp plugged into my living room just so that I can pick it up whenever I want we're going to be doing top shelf every week through the end of August uh, leading up to our announcing our winner next week we'll hear uh, Toby and Wigway's favorite entries um, a reminder, you can sign up for uh, nprpresents.org for reminders about uh, these Top Shelf episodes. And you can watch uh, more entries at npr.org slash tinydeskcontest. Uh, last week's uh, judge was Bobby Carter, our great producer uh, for the Tiny Desk Contest. And he will be the host as I go away for two weeks. He will be the host for the next two weeks on these Top Shelves. And um, look forward to those conversations and those entries, oh my gosh, I've seen them. I know. I know you're in for something great. So uh, look forward to those. They happen on Thursday at 3 o'clock on the East Coast, 
Um, you can set reminders on YouTube for these. So when you forget, it'll pop up and start playing. The last pick that we're going to do, Phoebe, it gives people a sense of the variety of music that we get in this contest. Because, I mean, we get everything from jug band to, you know, heart and soul. And so the next one, it's uh, an oud player named uh, Sim Rafia. And then uh, Gao Hong is playing a pipa. What did you think when you saw this? Well, this one filled me with just like immediate joy. So it's very adeptly called Happy Days, uh, which I love. And reading their little blurb also made it, made me so happy. Yeah, just the performance itself is immediately effective to me. But uh, it says, both immigrated from different countries. Gao came from China and Assam came from Syria. Only play improvisations slash live compositions no two performances are exactly the same, which is so cool. I think that's very obvious when they're performing together. They're kind of like taking subtle cues. They clearly play together all the time. Right. Uh, they're good listeners. And they also like, they're great listeners and they smile every once in a while, like when someone plays <laughs> something, which I love. And they say, many musicians throughout the world have had their lives disrupted by canceled or postponed concerts due to the pandemic. But now everything is gradually getting back to normal. We use our music to express our hope that everything will soon return to the happy days of the past. It's just so sweet. I love it. And the music is gorgeous. Great. So we're going to go out on this. Thank you, Phoebe, for being here, for judging the battle as to who, uh, <laughs> the, the, the judge round where we all get together and decide. That's fun. You wait for that. And um, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to those Can't conversations. <laughs> Let's do the return of Happy Days by Yassam Rafia and Gao Hong. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music and the Tiny Desk Contest. Thanks for all that entered, and thank you, Phoebe. Be well. Later. Thank you.